The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody, and welcome into our show for a Friday on the eve of the final game of the regular season for the Wildcats tomorrow against South Carolina. And then the SEC tournament gets rolling next week. Coming up on the show today, we'll talk college hoops as we do on Fridays with Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News. And in the first half, we'll talk football with Freddie Maggard. Spring practice is just around the corner. Uh, Pro Day will be coming up at the end of the month. So lots to talk about with uh, Freddie. And that's our lineup for today as we roll into the Wildcat news of the day. We'll start with the women's SEC tournament where Kentucky beat Florida yesterday 73-64. to Tight game. I uh, was uh, listening to to Darren as I was running some errands, Darren Hedrick, on the call yesterday on the U.K. network, and it was nip and tuck in the fourth quarter until Kiki McKinney hit a big shot. I think it was 61-60 Kentucky, and she hit a three, gave Kentucky some breathing room that it never gave up, and Kentucky uh, advances by beating the 12 seed by nine. McKinney finished with 10 and eight rebounds. Ryan Howard led Kentucky with 27 and so the Wildcats now get a matchup with Georgia today. Should tip around 1 Eastern time on the SEC network. And Kentucky just handled Georgia last week uh, down in Athens to seemingly lock up the double bye and um, maybe a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. And then they gave all of that back, perhaps, uh, certainly the, the bye, the double bye, with the loss to Ole Miss on Sunday. So uh, Kentucky... Gets back on track with a win. Now uh, they get to face the Georgia team that they just handled, so hopefully they can do that again and advance on to the uh, Final Four of the women's tournament, which is going down down in Greenville, South Carolina. And if you are out running around today and can't be in front of a TV, tune in Darren Hendrick with the call on the U.K. radio network. Uh, pre-game should start around 12.45 Eastern time today. Now, tomorrow, the Kentucky men close out the regular season in a matchup with South Carolina. South Carolina has had all kinds of COVID issues, and uh, they come in with um, a record of 6-13 and 13 on the season. They've lost six of their last seven games. They uh, just lost by 30, almost 30 at Arkansas on Tuesday night. Now, they have a win at Florida that jumps off the page at you because uh, they've lost six of the last seven, as I said, coming in. But they had a win at Florida. They beat Georgia by 21, and both of those were away from home. So on their best day, uh, clearly they could uh, you know, be a, a bit of a problem. But there haven't been many best days for Frank Martin's club. And uh, here's what he had to say after that loss on Tuesday night. Uh, it's just one of them years, man. One of them years, um, yeah, we, we got good parts, and when the parts play well together, we represent our team the right way. But obviously, more times than not, our parts have not uh, connected. They, they, you know, we, we, we have not played. Uh, uh, we got a lot of guys that are playing for me and not we, and, uh, and that's unfortunate. Um, 
but you know, we we uh, we we've got to continue uh, to. To, to try and figure it out because it wasn't a year ago with basically the same personnel. That was never the case. Uh, this has just been a, just a, a confusing year uh, all the way around. And uh, uh, it's caught me off guard. I didn't expect some of the stuff that, that we've been dealing with. And I ain't talking about COVID. I'm talking about uh, team stuff. Um, I, you know, it wasn't the case. We've got guys that have been here for three and four years. Uh, wasn't the case with them before, and all of a sudden it's become a problem now. So uh, we, we, we've we got to figure that out, but this is not the moment to figure that out. You do that in the offseason. So that was Frank Martin after the Arkansas game. We're just listening to that. And by the way, uh, Coach Martin's had some COVID issues, so he's uh, I think, uh, one of his side effects was losing some hair, so he ended up just shaving his head. And so he's he, you'll notice a considerably different look. But you listen to that uh, sound clip from him and you could imagine john calipari saying some of those same things about how this season has unfolded for the wildcats um there's a report uh ksr about a a minor injury to a what was described as a significant player that makes uh, that player's status uncertain for tomorrow so we'll um see if cal addresses anything like that when uh, he talks to the media uh, later today UK softball won two yesterday, beat Pitt eight to one, beat Florida Atlantic three to one. Volleyball hosts LSU tonight and then again tomorrow night. Kentucky's ranked third in the nation in volleyball. And baseball has a three game set against Ball State this weekend. Series starts with a four PM excuse me, four PM first pitch today. Uh, and Dick Gabriel uh, will be on the call for Kentucky and Ball State today over at Kentucky Proud Park. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Just a beautiful sunny Friday as we come to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington. When we come back, Freddie Maggard will join the program. It's the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Freddie Maggard. You can read him at KentuckySportsRadio.com. Follow him on Twitter at FredMaggard606. How you doing, Freddie? Happy birthday, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, I got to celebrate by getting the first dose of the vaccine. <laughs> well, good for you. I got yes. mine this week as well. So uh, I'm sure that was a big relief. And, and uh, you know, it was, i tell you what. Whoever runs the Fayette County uh, Health Department should, I would vote for them for anything that they could run for. That was the most efficient process that I've ever, and, and you know, I know a little bit about the military, Tom, and, and, and I've studied efficiency, management, all that kind of deal, and, and been around a lot of operations. But I tell you, they had it down to a science uh, there when I got my vaccine. So hands on hands, I mean, just tremendous job. To the, to the Fayette County Health Department. They did great. It was very efficient. I was in and out in three minutes, and uh, it was a big relief. Great. Good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, well, let's uh, jump into a little football. Spring practices normally uh, would be uh, go, starting around now or, or be underway around now, but uh, it's coming up soon. And you had a post recently at, uh, at KSR about what you think are the two most critical spots to fill, and neither one of them is quarterback. 
No, no. Uh, actually, today um, I will have a post up on KSR. It's, it's a rather lengthy post about the quarterback position. But my take was, Tom, you know, let's start with offense. A quarterback can't throw the football if he's on his back. Uh, Liam Cohen's outside zone run scheme cannot get going unless you have a tackle that can secure the edge and provide a running lane for Chris Rodriguez. Also, a big staple of Kentucky's offense will be the bootleg. If you're not as, if you're unbalanced as far as I mean, you're go, you're running in one direction um, way more than the other, then you're ineffective in the bootleg game. So my take was, I think Landon Young's spot. You know, of, of all accounts, Darren Kennard's kicking over the left tackle. So that right tackle spot to me uh, is the most important spot that I'm going to be looking at this spring practice uh, because Kentucky's going to have to be balanced in a run and pass and also be balanced in which side that it decides to run the football to. And you can't always run behind Darren Kennard. So uh, that's that's something that I look forward to, to watching. I feel that the quarterback position can be hidden a little bit through system. And, and through the effectiveness of the running game. So on offense, my most important position to look for spring practice is, is right tackle. And John Schlarman in uh, his time before he passed, uh, you know, was just tremendous at developing guys. And so the pipeline yeah. kept supplying somebody. So are, does that, uh, you know, the, the influence on the John had on these guys that are in that pipeline right now, does that give you confidence? Somebody will separate themselves from the pack? Uh, no, I, John did a great. I mean, you know, John's John's a legend, uh, best to ever do it at UK, uh, and, and I love I love the guy so much. But the the issue, and one of the reasons that I, I wrote about that right tackle was such a vital position, is Nasir Watkins missed last season due to injury. He's the only player that that is projected to be in that rotation, that right tackle that's ever that that's played in the college football game. You have DeAndre Buford. You have Jeremy Flax, John Young, zero plays in, in college football. Nasir Watkins has started games and has experienced with coming back from injury. That's why I highlighted, highlighted that position of being so important uh, because there's, there, there's, there's no experience there. So it's something to keep your eyes on because I think, uh, you know, I think Darren Kennard's an All-American. He's special, future pro on the left side. Whoever it is on that right side is going to have to uh, be productive and be an important member of the big blue wall to get the run and pass game going. And the other position is on the defensive side, Boogie Watson's spot, yeah. right? Absolutely, because uh, you know, if you, when, when, when you're look, talk, discussing Kentucky football, recent history, that outside linebacker defensive end position or the jack linebacker is the moneymaker at Kentucky. You've got Zadarius Smith, Bud Dupree, Josh Allen, then Boogie Watson. That's a lot of production and a lot of sacks from that position. Now, replacing Boogie will not be will be a tough task, in my opinion, because here's the reason, Tom. Kentucky had 38 sacks in 2018, 33 in 2019, just 15 a year ago. Now, I played a couple less games, but 15 sacks, that, that's got to be increased. Boogie Watson accounted for nearly 40% of those quarterback sacks that Kentucky had. Losing him will be, will be difficult. And to take it a step d- deeper, and much like an offensive tackle, Boogie Watson's backup was KD McDaniel. McDaniel played in just five games and had one tackle. That's it. That's the experience as a jack linebacker position. And then, you know, one thing that we can project with Sam Manelli moving uh, move to full time defensive end position behind Josh Pascal 
is that Justice Dingle will, will, will likely play that linebacker position. But again, no, very little experience uh, to replace Boogie Watson. That's why my eye is on that position. Kentucky needs Justice Dingle to play like the four-star prospect he was coming out of Bowling Green High School. Because as of right now, that position is such an unknown, it's hard to project who will be in that spot and how much production Kentucky will get at the Jack linebacker. Something I saw you tweet about and I uh, wholeheartedly agree with is I was surprised Boogie Watson was not on that list for the NFL Combine. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, you know, and here's the deal with Boogie. Um, he was a perfect fit opposite of, of, of Josh Allen at that a true outside linebacker position. Now, out of necessity and unselfishness, Boogie moved over to that strong side outside linebacker, you know, defensive end, outside linebacker combination role where, where – was not a natural fit for him. You know, at 6'2", 240-ish, he, he, he was a little bit undersized for that position, but Kentucky needed him to play there. And if you think about it, Tom, he played an extraordinarily high number of sta- uh, snaps uh, last year. So I think I think Boogie stepped up, played really good at a role that, that he will not play in the NFL. I think he's a true outside linebacker, but I was I was surprised he was not invited to the combine, yes. Yeah, I think somebody will get a steal there and uh, as a free agent, probably. Um, yeah, absolutely. Going to get to a quick break. Freddie Maggard's with us. We'll uh, continue the discussion on Kentucky football here in just a bit. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Visiting with Freddie Maggard. You can read him at KentuckySportsRadio.com. Follow on Twitter at FredMaggard606. And I saw a post on KSR about uh, the Death Chart podcast you're a part of that mentioned something about a tattoo. What's going on there? Absolutely. Uh, today at 6.30, Tom. I'm, Ooh. I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting inked up today, man. So uh, it's going to be – I'm going to have an unveiling of it sometime uh, tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> To, to show what it is, but yeah, it's uh, it, you know, heck, you only live once, bro, and I've always wanted to do it, so I might as well go ahead. You know, good for you. Yeah. Uh, are, are we going to withhold the disclosure of the location as well? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll just just check social media tonight. It'll be out there. So yeah, <laughs> something to look forward to. I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> well, I'm a little bit nervous. Thank goodness that they closed it down because of COVID, and only one at a time. Because I'd hate to. Being there crying in front of you know a bunch of tough dudes in there, so uh, yeah, and I'm glad I get to wear a mask so they can't see me grimace. <laughs> Good for you. I'll, I'll eagerly await the unveiling. Uh, you said you're going to uh, write about uh, quarterbacks, so uh, folks can look yeah. for that at, at Kentucky Sports Radio a little later today. But uh, just yeah. give us a, an overview of uh, where you think uh, this situation is and how it uh, moves forward. Well, Tom, sometimes when we look at the quarterback position, it's easy to generalize individual players. Let's start with Bo Allen. The misconception about Bo Allen is that he's a pure pocket passer and not a very good athlete. Well, that is, that is far from true. He is a good athlete that is a pocket passer. Joey Gatewood, the take on him, if, if you don't, don't get into the tape and really evaluate him, is that he's a great athlete but lacking in, in, in pocket, pocket passing ability. 
also untrue. So I think both quarterbacks are unique, and I think they're both misunderstood because I think Allen can do everything in the RPO bootleg game and quarterback run game and also be that pocket passer that we know he is. And Joey Gatewood is an ext- is a really good runner, but he's also a very good passer. My take, Tom, in today's article in KSR is take the, take the tape from 2020 and throw it in the trash. Don't look at practice. Don't look at games because you cannot evaluate Allen and Gatewood based on 2020 due to system, due to surrounding personnel, due to circumstance, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, I, I take a deep dive into each of them and highlight what they can do. But, you know, the summary of it is it's too close to call. We don't know what's going to happen until uh, the new offense is installed and both quarterbacks get a shot to, to impress Lee and Cohen. Uh, so, and, and then my piece also focuses on those two because Will Levis isn't here for spring practice. That's, I, I didn't go deep into him because uh, he's not going to be a part of spring practice. So we'll, we'll dive into that. But with, with Levis coming in, I do think the quarterback competition will go deep into fall camp. Uh, Kentucky had uh, some noteworthy scores in the uh, transfer portal so far. So yeah. uh, give me a, a take. We've got a little over a minute here, a take on what they added there. I think Kentucky uh, – uh, Kentucky – has a five to one success ratio in the portal. I think the only outgoing player that's going to affect 2020 is MJ Devonshire. The other players would not have really factored in, in the season or a part of the depth chart to make impacts. But look at what you bring in. Will Labs experience at Penn, at Penn State. Justice Dingle experience at Georgia Tech. Wondell Robinson is a superstar, top one percent of the transfer portal. Uh, uh, Morgan, the receiver from Michigan State. Kentucky needs the next receiver. And Luke Fulton, the linebacker, obviously Kentucky needs depth at that inside linebacker position. So I think Kentucky won the transfer portal going into 2021 at a 5-to-1 ratio. Good stuff with Freddie Maggard. We'll be talking again as we move through the uh, spring here because uh, some really interesting storylines. I think folks, uh, more so than usual, are going to be looking forward to the spring game for Kentucky. Freddie, uh, have a uh, great day. Good luck with the tattoo. Thanks, man. I'll try to be tough, but I can't promise. There'll probably be tears, man. But happy oh, birthday, I doubt that. Tom. I hope your day yesterday was just incredible. And Thank and you. Thanks for everything you do for all of us. Appreciate, Appreciate that. You, it's at okay, FredMaggard606 on Twitter. You can follow for the unveiling of the Freddie Maggard tattoo later today. Something big to look forward to heading into the weekend. We'll be back with Mike McCarthy. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. From the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio, it's the second half of our Friday show. That's when we bring on Mike DeCourcy from SportingNews.com from the Big Ten Network, and he's the bracket analyst for Fox Sports. And so, Mike, uh, we're, what, uh, a couple of weeks from... Selection Sunday, uh, well, one week from Selection Sunday here yes. uh, coming up. Um, how much fluidity do you think will be in uh, in your bracket over the coming week? It's interesting, Tom, because everybody who's a fan of a bubble team right now is convinced their team isn't going to get in because they're they're all losing. And so, well, obviously mine's not getting in, but the problem is everybody else is losing, and so somebody's got to get in. <laughs> and what might be interesting through all of that is that teams like Winthrop and Belmont, uh, Western to an extent, 
although they have a pretty significant non-league resume, the others don't. Those teams might be interesting at-large candidates if they're unable this weekend to secure their league's automatic bid. So uh, that, 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 I have seen others dismiss Belmont now as an at-large candidate because they had a rough last weekend, lost a couple of regular season games that they probably shouldn't have. But I, I'm not sure you can do that given the weakness of the teams that are on the bubble, their current performance, and the fact that with the, with the abbreviated schedules, a lot of high major, mid major, and low major teams struggled to get any sort of non conference game. So it's kind of hard to say to a Belmont, for instance, well, you didn't play anybody. <laughs> I mean, a lot of teams didn't play anybody because it was hard to play anybody. And Western had a win at Alabama. Yes. So that's, yeah, that's, that's why I said they impressive. Have that, yeah, they do have a, a, a pretty decent non league resume. They played some good teams. They were in a. They were, I think they were in a tournament in South Dakota, if I remember right, and and that helped them a little, and then the Alabama win was huge. You know, uh, your point about somebody's got to get in is always kind of what I come back to every year when people get into all these debates. Um, and I said, if you actually start looking at it, uh, when you get down to the, the last part of the, the, the bracket, you can imagine people in the room saying uh, the best analogy I can come up with is is uh, Mike Pratt tells a story about he was on a staff I think with the Charlotte Hornets of the of the NBA and they're going around the table for a draft pick and just knocking everybody and you know and finally the head coach I think it was Ed Badger uh, says guys we have to pick somebody they won't let us pass. <laughs> and, and it kind of gets that way at the end of the bracket, I think, uh, more so than people realize. And, um, you know, Richmond yesterday loses to Duquesne in the A-10 tournament. Richmond's a team that, you know, had uh, was very highly regarded coming in and upset Kentucky here at, at Rupp. Now, they did lose uh, a key player to start the season, and so maybe that impacted them. But that's, you know, just an example of a team that's you know, probably played themselves out down the stretch. Are league tournaments going to be – more impactful than other years this year? Yes, in large part because it's a more significant portion of your schedule. It's in, it, there are a couple of reasons. One is that it's an opportunity to play in a neutral environment, and there weren't as many of those this year uh, for, for most teams. Maui brought their tournament to Asheville, uh, and, and they had the bubble thing up in Connecticut. But a lot of, teams, a lot of, of those tournaments just sort of uh, – I mean, remember, ESPN basically shut all theirs down for the year. Uh, and that's, that's a good seven, eight, nine, ten tournaments that they didn't stage this year. And so now you're going to get the chance over the next week to play on a neutral court against quality opposition. So that's important. But then you look at it for some teams that, that are playing. If you play three conference tournament games in this particular season, that's 10% of your schedule. And ordinarily, it would be a much smaller percentage of that because you're, for, for some teams, they're playing, they, they haven't even played 20 games yet. Uh, and in an ordinary year, you're going to play between 30 and 35 before you get to the NCAAs. Kentucky has a game tomorrow against a struggling South Carolina team that's the, I guess, the last chance for uh, trying to pick up some kind of momentum going into the conference tournament, if you will. But I don't know that that is a, uh, you know, a must in terms of that the, the momentum because I think back to the UConn team that won the title in 2014. I think they lost by 33 on the last day of the regular season to Louisville. Um, they did. 
uh, uh, Kentucky in 2014 got crushed on the last day of the regular season at Florida. A week later, played Florida to a one-point game and you know used that uh, momentum of that league tournament to to get uh, to make their run in the NCAA tournament. I, I think in in these tournaments you can you know build a little momentum within the tournament if you win a game a close game or something early you get a little confidence going shots are going down and and you know you get in a hot streak that you can uh, no matter how you finished your season you can still find a way to build some momentum within the tournament yeah uconn did that in 2011 uh, they they, they that, exactly yeah they 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 were the 8 they were either the 8 or the 9 seed uh, that year and they played the number 1 seed in the quarterfinals of pittsburgh and and that was the day, that was when uh, they executed the the switch on the pick and roll and, and left uh, Gary McGee six eleven two hundred and sixty five pounds on Kemba Walker and <laughs> a lot of people remember that did not go well for Gary. No, uh, he's a never ending he's a, he's a never ending loop uh, uh, on uh, on March Madness shots and that, and it, from there they I mean they never stopped uh, they they went all the way through that tournament. I believe they won five games to win that tournament, and then went on and won six games in the NCAA's, including that uh, really tough one in the semis against the Wildcats. Yeah, uh, Cal mentioned that uh, the other night on his radio show. One of the angles he'll pitch to his team as as they get ready for that tournament next week. Um, and uh, you know, Kentucky seemingly, you know, when we were talking last week, this spot Kentucky had, had won three in a row. They were going to. Going into the Florida game and, and seemingly, you know, had uh, found a nice groove. Cal had settled on his rotation, uh, kind of seven guys he was going to ride. And now he's back to a point a week later after two losses where he was talking uh, Wednesday night about, you know, having competitions in practice to guys to win your spots. Maybe Mince is going to play more at the point. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's not a good spot to be in, obviously. Yeah, it was a tough week for them. It- a lot of the things that had started to go right sort of started to dissolve on them. And it can happen, certainly. And when it starts at the point guard position, that's never a good thing. We've seen that that point guard position is so important in college basketball, but even more so in the way Cal has played it over the course of, what, the last 20 years or so. I mean, he's almost always had really significant players at that position. And so when when he winds up in a position where that's not really the case, uh, that that player is developing and, and is going to have difficult days and, and probably even as, as a fully developed player isn't the talent to overwhelm the opposition, I, I think that that's, that's been a problem for them. They, they haven't been able to work around it uh, on a regular basis. Chat with Mike DeCourcy from SportingNews.com, uh, the Big Ten Network, Fox Sports. We'll take a quick break. It's at TSN Mike on Twitter also, by the way. Important follow as we head into championship week. And we'll be right back to continue the discussion here on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Quarter before the top of the hour, we're chatting with Mike DeCourcy from SportingNews.com, Big Ten Network, and Fox Sports. Um, there's a story by one of your uh, colleagues at SportingNews.com about uh, Jawan Howard using uh, some comments from Draymond Green, the Michigan State alum, to, to motivate uh, the Wolverines to a, uh, a win last night, uh, bouncing back from 
uh, a surprisingly lopsided loss at the hands of Illinois earlier in the week. Uh, but uh, Michigan's 19-2, and two, um, clearly a strong contender to, to win it all. Um, and did you think Juwan Howard was uh, capable of something like this when he jumped into college coaching with his first job at his alma mater here? I think it's been amazing what he's been able to do, Tom, because the history of of the NBA person, whether it's an NBA coach or an NBA player who ha- doesn't have uh, college coaching experience, or in, in the case of Clyde Drexler, uh, an NBA player who didn't have any coaching experience, uh, there were. I, I did it when, when before Jawan was hired, around the time Jerry Stackhouse was hired. Um, I did a I did a look at at the, the past people who have filled that, Bob Hill uh, was, was an example, uh, uh, Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen. Uh, there were, there were uh, probably about 20 over the course of the previous 20 years who had, either, who, who had minimal to no coaching experience in college and came from the NBA. And the track record was abysmal. I mean, just horrid. Uh, almost every one of them failed at a high, and some had failed at a very high level. And the only true success story in all of that time that fit that profile was Fred Hoiberg at Iowa State. And so one of the things that I've admired most about Jawan is that he quite, I mean, he's, he's obviously a very bright guy, and he had great coaching experience and playing experience in the NBA. But college is different. Just as the NBA is different from college, and we often hear the narrative about how college coaches don't succeed in the NBA, the NBA fails more often in coming to college. But Jawan looked at what I think, looked at what Fred did, and, and one, one example, one of the most important examples was to, to hire, Fred hired Bobby Lutz, the very successful coach at Charlotte for many years, uh, and, and to have somebody who had done that job before. And know, okay, I, I know how to coach, but how do I coach college? And so you had somebody there to explain to you the importance of, of dealing with the academic advisors and how recruiting works and, and how important the, the, this, the boosters are and all the rest of that stuff. And at Michigan, Phil Martelli was available because of very poor decision by St. Joseph's to remove him as their head coach. And Jawan grabbed him, and Phil has done great work for him. But it's beyond that. It's, it's the things that Jawan has done, bringing uh, offensive concepts to, uh, to the team, uh, what, they, what they've been able to do defensively, what they've been able to do in recruiting. Uh, Hunter Dickinson was the number 43 player in the 20, 2020 recruiting class, and he is one of the three best freshmen in college basketball. That's a good eye for talent. And that's a great eye for, for, for how a player can fit into what you do. And it's obviously some development in there as well. Do you think coaches like Cal and Kay will make significant changes in how they build their teams or style of play or anything like that off these uh, disappointing seasons? Or is it looked at? as an outlier because of the the pandemic and all that that went with that i think it's i think it's partly an outlier because of the pandemic but it's also it also emphasizes the importance of of assuring that you're covered in particular positions uh, i i think that you know in in getting uh 
uh, Devin Askew to reclassify right away put Kentucky in a, in a less than advantageous position at their most, in position, most important position in their approach. Uh, because he's, he's probably, he probably should be in high school right now, dominating a great high school competition. This was probably the best place for him under these circumstances because I'm not even sure how much hoop California has played this year. I know that I've done some research around it in some other areas because of some work I've done, and South Carolina had only played eight games uh, two weeks ago, and Pennsylvania, where my, where my, high, my high school is, and uh, they, they, they're beginning their playoffs, and they've played less than 10. So it's probably better for Devin that he was in this situation, and I think he'll be a better player for it, but it wasn't ideal for the Wildcats. I just don't see how one can say, well, we're not going to take the best players anymore. That doesn't make any sense for us. We're just going to go get random players and we'll see how it goes. I don't think that is logical. I've always believed that you want to have a mix, and that's not something that Cal has done. He's mostly just gone after full classes of five-star players. I still think there's room out there for guys who develop in the way that Derek Willis did. Uh, what he was able to contribute in this last year or two. still think there's room for that and, and value in it. But I don't think that makes sense to just say, well, you, we can have Imani Bates. Nah, we don't want that. We, we don't want the best player in the country. That, 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 that isn't logical to me. And, and I, I think that there's been way too much success in the way they've done things to all of a sudden, because of the most unusual year in college basketball history, to say that you need a completely different approach. And the transfer uh, rule may, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that impacts all of this because you could move the, the one-and-done model from 18-year-olds to 22-year-olds. Yeah, and, and I think there's some value in getting some of those guys as well. I mean, a Carly Jones, for instance, has mm-hmm. been wonderful for Louisville, essential, really. Uh, but there, you have to be very careful about who you bring in in that circumstance. Not everyone is Carly. A year ago, Carolina went out and tried to complement Cole Anthony with several mid-major players who ideally were just supposed to be spot-up shooters. They had big guys. They had a great point guard. It didn't really work. So it's not as easy as people think it is. But I do think that with Kentucky's appeal, you can get a guy like Nate Sestina, and he can come in and he can help you. And he did help a year ago. It blew a little hot and cold at times. But when he was hot, he was really helpful, and he was always committed to trying to win. And he gave, he was really good in terms of uh, being you know, being a leader for a lot of young guys that are always in this right. program. There's a Absolutely. I think a, a value uh, to that as well. Uh, Mike, I appreciate the time as always. So uh, busy time for you. Um, you're doing uh, the brackets on Fox Sports, um, and folks can follow you on Twitter and get an update on that at TSN Mike. Big Ten Network, SportingNews.com. Busy time, but a fun time. Absolutely. No time for sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you can always sleep in the spring. Yes, that's, that's uh, John Rothstein from CBS uh, likes to tweet out, we sleep in May. There you go. <laughs> I, don't know why he, I don't know why he doesn't want me to sleep in April, but, but uh, I understand his point. There you go. Mike, thank you much. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Tom. That's uh, Mike DeCourcy. Hopefully by the time we talk to Mike next week, We're previewing a Kentucky game in the quarterfinal round of the SEC tournament uh, because if not, the the season will likely be over at that point. Uh, Final segment of the Leach Report coming up.
Stan Wildcat History, presented by the Rave On app. That's R-A-V-E. It's an app you can download to interact with other Wildcat fans when you're watching the games to talk about big plays and bad calls, and uh, not just Cats, uh, other teams too, and other sports. The Stan 2003 Kentucky celebrated Senior Day by routing Vanderbilt 106-44. to It was the 19th win in a row for that team. Marquise Estel in his final home game went for 17-9 and to pace Kentucky. Big game tomorrow over at Lexington Catholic. A battle of unbeatens, number one and number two, Catholic and North Laurel. Uh, North Laurel, of course, features the super sophomore Reed Shepard. And uh, we had uh, William Warfield on earlier this week from PrepSpin.com. They're doing a telecast of the game. Uh, Dave Baker will uh, handle the play-by-play, and it'll be on the CWKYT here in the Lexington market at uh, 2 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow. But if you can't see it in Lexington, you can go to PrepSpin.com. Uh, looking forward to I'm going to tape that tomorrow because we'll be doing our post game on the Kentucky uh, broadcast during most of that uh, telecast. So I'll catch it uh, a little later on. But uh, man, it's too bad that they can't uh, have uh, fans. You know, maybe a, maybe a year from now, a game like that will happen, and it'll be like the old days, and you can move it to uh, a much bigger venue. But North Laurel at Lexington Catholic tomorrow at 2 Eastern, PrepSpin.com or uh, CWKYT. is presented by Mingy Beef Jerky. Um, our Keeneland Select Race of the Week uh, is the Grade 2 Tampa Bay Derby, a Kentucky Derby prep. And there's a Todd Fletcher horse in there that's 8-1 to one on the morning line that went back and watched his maiden win, and it was very impressive. And the horse broke his maiden at a mile. Uh, with good speed, but he's out of a curling mare, so the stretch out to a mile and the 16th should be no trouble at all for Promise Keeper, and uh, you're going to get a nice price on this horse, so I think that's a, a an upset possibility in the Tampa Bay Derby tomorrow. Uh, KeenelandSelect.com. You can uh, set up an online uh, account and uh, play the races while you're watching hoops. Big game tonight in the OVC tournament. Eastern and Moorhead are playing each other, and then the winner would uh, likely get Belmont the on Saturday to play for a spot in the NCAA tournament. So, uh, Colonels versus the Eagles tonight. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back Monday for Thanks Championship for Week. To the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to Leach